Welcome to Inside the Economy. I'm Larry House. Thanks for joining me. I'm going to talk about a couple of things today. The partial government shutdown, unemployment in state level and U.S. level, the performance of some flight to safety assets around the globe, what's going on in the Fed, and the chances of a global recession. Taking a quick look at the numbers, you'll notice the top half here, there really aren't any numbers coming from the government. There has been a partial shutdown. They weren't in there working. That has been resolved. All of those workers are going to get back pay, and they're in there turning their computers on as we speak. We'll have updated numbers in a couple of weeks, and we'll catch everybody up. Everything else underneath. Initial claims, we got a new record there, 199,000. It's probably not an accurate number, but it's very indicative of what's going on in the employment market. Our unemployment nationally is still 3.9. Oil is still in the low 50s. Treasuries are doing fine, sort of anticipating there's no way that the Fed is going to raise tomorrow when they meet, but they might raise another quarter point sometime in the first quarter. Now, considering the partial shutdown of the government, I know it was a lot of people and it was hard on them. The government's contribution through consumption and investment to the GDP in the U.S. is just a little over 6%. It's not a huge number. The number of people that were furloughed are basically not going to have any impact on GDP that isn't going to be corrected the moment they get their back pay. This is a self-resolving issue. Whether it's repeated or not is still not going to have a big impact. Much more importantly is how the underlying economy is moving along, and it's moving along just fine. Bureau of Labor Statistics comes out, and they don't have a lot of feel for drama and colors, but basically this is indicative of how the unemployment numbers are in the states across the country. We have 32 states now that have unemployment under 4%. The lighter the coloring here, upper Midwest, that kind of stuff, the lower the unemployment. The U.S. economy is moving along just fine. Jobs are getting harder to find, and fundamental manufacturing is moving very well. Now, there's been some discussion about this wall on the southern border with Mexico. Okay. The important thing here is immigrants as a whole in the United States. This is very indicative. We've got about 45 million varying degrees of legal immigrants in the U.S. They are fundamentally important to the U.S. economy. It is the reason the demographics in the United States have remained positive. And I've talked here in the past, Japan probably has the worst demographics on Earth. They are dying. China will join those ranks in about six years, partially as a result of the one baby policy and the other a result of there's not a lot of optimism. The uh, United States needs to have positive demographics. We have two primary borders that provide most of our immigrants, one in the north, one in the south. They're both fairly porous. The uh, Canadian immigrants that come over the border illegally, you hear about very rarely. Most of them occupy higher paid, more professional jobs in the U.S., until they go back. You hear a lot about the Mexican immigrants coming up across the southern border. They occupy generally lower income service 
jobs and are associated in a lot of places with increased crime. That's where the attention is. But fundamentally, their contribution to the economy, just like the Canadians and all the rest of the legal immigrants, very important as they always have been to the U.S. We are a nation of immigrants. That is not going to change. The flight to quality that's been going on since the S&P 500 had a bit of a correction that we've talked about. I know this is kind of a dense chart, but in here is the S&P 500, that thing that dropped a lot in December and November. Up there at the top, that cheery little orange is the three-year treasury. It has outperformed everything in the last several months. That's what people have been buying. They've been getting out of gold. They've been getting out of the Swiss franc. They've been getting out of the yen. And some cases, they've been getting out of the S&P 500 and going into treasuries. We are starting to see 2%, 2.2% in money markets. That's great. The Federal Reserve is meeting tomorrow. Uh, it's a safe bet they're not going to raise rates. Federal funds today is at 2.5%. Their next increase, and I believe they will have at least one more, will be to 2 and 3 quarter. But it's not going to be tomorrow. Maybe in the first quarter, maybe. It depends on how the data that we'll soon start getting starts flowing. This is kind of the other side of the Federal Reserve. These are the assets that we've talked about. These are the old toxic assets that the Fed bought from the banks and everybody else back in 2008 and 2009 and have been hanging on to. They've made promises and have been selling those assets quite a bit the last year. They've gotten rid of about $600 million with it. And I think they're going to hang on to what they have. These are now very high quality assets. They are certainly seasoned. All the properties are the things that were going to go bankrupt, have been cleared out, and what's left behind are fairly well seasoned, high income assets. And I don't think the Federal Reserve is going to get rid of them. Now, the Federal Reserve is a self funding federal agency, so they use this income for their own expenses. But they're also in no hurry to flood the market with excess liquidity. That doesn't mean a lot to people that don't buy a lot of bonds, but the Federal Reserve is filling up their toolkit again. This is something they can use for liquidity down the road. And if they raise rates again, go from two and a half to two and three quarter, or on the outside to three, that just gives them tools to lower rates sometime in the not-too-distant future, depending upon how the GDP goes in the U.S. The dollar is an issue. It has been strong. We've talked about that a lot, too. It has been strong in the last year or so. It's very likely going to remain relatively strong. That means that when you're selling your stuff, let's say the United States is selling overseas using the dollar, your stuff is more expensive because a weaker currency needs more of that currency to equal the dollar sale price. It's great if you're a tourist and you have a strong currency because you go into where you're visiting and you can get more of the local currency with a strong currency. The point is, and really the underlying issue here, is who has been issuing sovereign debt 
and that's everybody else in the world except for Germany, Portugal, Italy, Philippines, South Korea, some respects China. A lot of places around the world issue sovereign debt, and they've been issuing that debt in dollars. The yuan, China tried to make themselves a global currency and encourage people to sell debt in yuan. Uh, it was not well received. It was not very popular. The European Central Bank also encouraged a lot of these people, the Philippines, a lot of emerging countries, to issue debt in euro, especially Middle East, issue debt in euros. That didn't prove very popular, even though more popular than the yuan. What they've been doing, and this chart is really kind of indicative of that, everybody's been using dollars. They have dollars in reserve. Even Venezuela has dollars in reserve. And they've been issuing their debt in dollars. It is going to remain strong. That's going to have an impact on two things. One, our trade balance will be mitigated a little bit because of that. And two, it's going to help keep price of oil down because all oil contracts are basically settled in dollars. Over to Europe, they might have a recession. They might not. It's not really important. They are clearly slowing. I've mentioned before that Germany, which is the driving factor in Europe, has lost some of its sparkling glow from growth because China has slowed significantly. And there's still a little fear that the U.S. will put a tariff on imported cars, which is bad news if your primary business in Germany is manufacturing cars. Well, that has an impact and that has slowed some things down. The other side is the Rhine. Uh, they're going through a horrific drought. Not only was the potato crop horrible again two years in a row, the Rhine doesn't have any water in it. So the barges of coal and grain and steel and a lot of bulk material, about 6% of everything that gets moved around Germany, France, and Belgium are in barges sitting on the sand in the Rhine. I like to think that there'll be some spring showers that'll get them moving again. Otherwise, it's just going to sit there, and that's clearly slowing. If Europe does go through a recession, it'll just be a buying opportunity about halfway through. We'll know a little bit more in, uh, when we start getting data from the government again. Okay, finally, just going to keep everybody up to speed because somebody asked me a question about this. You know, is the slowing of China dependent upon this issue with the trade controversy as well as some of the tariffs that have been applied? Well, here's the GDP growth of China since 2010. This is not an event-driven decline. This is systemic. It is clearly going to continue. They have crossed a very important barrier, meaning GDP dropping below 7% in China is bad news. 7% is kind of a mathematical level where people coming in from the country are still being employed in the cities. They've dropped below that. They're going to drop below 6 here pretty soon. That will probably make the glow inside the Chinese economy go very, very dim. They are going to focus on their debt, of which they have buckets. They don't even disclose all the debt they have, and they can't keep growing businesses and keeping their economy afloat on pure debt, 
without any increase in spending from the consumer. Okay, enough on China. Here's where we are. Chances of a recession in the U.S., 2019, remote. Maybe later, we'll see, but the economy is doing too well. The Federal Reserve has got plenty of room to lower rates to stimulate the economy. There's no inflation. We're at 1.9% right now. It's going to be a problem to even hold that. So if you have any questions at all, don't hesitate. Email them here to info at shwj.com, and I'll do the best I can to address it. I appreciate you attending. Thanks for joining me.